Nicosia Uncut, prepared and presented by Andromachis of Ocleus and Kemal Baikali. Turkey has been tightening its grip in the Turkish Cypriot politics. Mr. Sujoğlu handed out his resignation yet again to Mr. Tatar. Akel's dilemma in the face of the 2023 presidential elections, Mr. Christodoulidis' candidacy and Vigo's internal conflicts. And we mentioned about our visits to the foreign missions in Cyprus. And some true confidence-building measures. Welcome to Nicosia Anka. Hello, Andromahi. Hello, Kimal. How are you? I'm okay. Again, um, some uh, time passed since our last program. Uh, we had a guest in the previous program, but we didn't have the chance to talk about politics as we always do. And we have a, a busy agenda for today. We'll talk about local politics and maybe uh, also developments about uh, the so-called uh, Cyprus problem-related developments. I don't know how to define them, but... Uh, Yeah, actually, I, I kind of missed uh, having this discussion with you, Kemal. It's been a while. And uh, because in the, our last episode, we had hosted Alexandra, um, it is, uh, it, which was very nice, of course, but it is also nice to be back on our analysis. And talking about analysis, I think um, it is a good time to start with the Turkey-Cypriot politics because Please. <laughs> the Turkey-Cypriot coalition collapsed again. You know that we have a parliamentary system. The... The guy who is the president of the UBP, um, um, Mr. Faiz Sujoğlu, we remembered him for the first time when um, Turkey interfered in the UBP party elections and because he was about to win it in the second round. And uh, they made him pull out simply because they don't like him for some reason or another. There are many speculations on why. So after a lot of elections and this and that and fight, and eventually uh, we had a new, uh, after the elections, we had a new parliament. And what happened is that uh, Tatar, Mr. Tatar is, uh, you know, gave, Mr. Tatar gave the, the job to him so that he can talk to the political parties and create a coalition. Eventually, he came up with the same coalition before the elections, which means UBP right wing. And uh, DP, uh, formerly known as Serdar Denktaş's party, but Serdar Denktaş uh, fell apart with the party and then left. And uh, YDP. And so three right-wing uh, parties were uh, going to have the coalition, and they did. And the first crisis happened because Turkey, again, didn't like the foreign minister of of that uh, portfolio, and uh, they wanted to push them, push them to change. So... For some reason, they forced the guy to resign after to, after he was appointed as <laughs> foreign minister, and after 24 hours or even less, he resigned. It's funny, of course. It's you know they don't even <laughs> worry to hide it. And uh, the second one was with the minister of finance, Mr. Sunat Atun, who was very close associated with AK Party government in Turkey. The, again, when they started operating. Um, Prime Minister Faiz Ujolu and him, they fell, fell apart again on multiple issues simply because Turkey has designs, has ideas. They, they, Turkey wants to design the Turkish Cypriot system, Turkish Cypriot economy, not only politically, but also economically, like wants to cut the power of the labor unions, wants to make sure that uh, electricity is, is privatized, wants to make sure that um, there will not be any, um, there will not be any, let's say, concessions by by UBP against the labor unions and you know uh, 
and other forces and that didn't happen so um, prime minister wanted to get rid of uh, mr sunat atun and uh, sunat atun and prime minister and the coalition partners were invited to turkey to sign um, an economic protocol and just after they signed it um, they, again there was a, another disagreement with mr sunat atun the the, uh, the finance minister and and the prime minister so so uh, very childishly prime minister went to tatar and says that okay Either, uh, you know, remove this minister from his post or accept my resignation. In fact, uh, the Turkish Cypriot constitution says that, you know, it's the duty of Tatar to accept any changes that will be proposed by Mr. Sujoğlu. So, you know, that was very reckless and childish of, of Mr. Sujoğlu to go and say that or accept my uh, I, resignation. What did Tatar do? He accepted the resignation. So the coalition, all again. And then, you know, it, it is so childish. So what happened? The same guy, uh, he, then he invited Mr. Sujolo again and asked him to form a new government. So the, he went to the same political parties, the same um, team again, except Mr. Sunat Atun. And but this time, obviously, Turkey was unhappy with, with the things going on. Uh, the Turkey literally interfered and suddenly coalition parties decided that they don't trust Mr. Uh, Sujolo anymore. And... The, the night before the uh, vote of confidence, uh, the both parties decided that they are going to vote no to the government that they are in. So eventually, the now um, again the ball is now Mr. Tatar's court. UBP says that there will be early elections again, and uh, I don't know what's going to happen out of this. So what outcome we can take out of this? Number one, it is very clear that Turkey is eroding the Turkish Cypriot institutions. Whether we like them or not, whether we agree with them or not, whether we recognize them or not, it's another discussion. But by eroding the the very uh, traditions, because Turkish Cypriots have the tradition of elections, have the traditions of institutions, it has its own the court system, it, they have their own, um, you know, legislative and executive process. But Turkey ha has always been involved in the Turkish Cypriot politics one way or another. But not that extent. Generally, there was some kind of a, a space where the Turkish Cypriot politicians and political actors were were playing within that sphere. And now this sphere is also being forced by Turkey. So nobody knows what's going to happen, whether it's going to be elections again or whether um, another an MP will be able to create a coalition out of this equation, which I, I, I highly doubt. Some people say that Turkey wants a UBP-CTP coalition, uh, a grand coalition, because they wanted to make sure that CTP will be part of that uh, uh, that, that cabinet when they were pushing for those uh, changes. So But in a way to involve them so that they don't complain. Would uh, JDP though actually uh, no? I don't agree think that JDP is interested. No, I don't think that JDP is interested in in such a shape. And uh, I think people are very angry with with with, with what's going on. And you know, it's it, it's not even. I I find it very difficult to find the the right word uh, for this. What I, I am really sad about the fact that those institutions, those, those reflexes, those habits are gone. Like that they are being violated and um, the institutions of the Turkish Cypriots are now being uh, interfered by by Turkey. And where does this leave the Turkish Cypriot people then? I mean, all of this is happening uh, in the context of uh, constant electricity cuts, of uh, an increase in the price of 
everything basically and this political uncertainty i'm sure it 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 adds up to the disillusionment of people at the end of the day with with democracy if if we are to be fair and uh, of course and and just like I remember in the last uh, elections uh, in the Turkish Cypriot community, we were discussing the issue of abstention and how there was this this trend of people calling for abstention as in not recognizing this institutional uh, sphere. What is the feeling now regarding the talk about uh, new elections? People are very disillusioned. I don't think that uh, people believe in this system at all. Okay, some were critical in the past, but now um, people are, are not really believing in the system. I know that not only left, but also many right-wing traditional conservative circles are also unhappy with the way AK Party government is interfering in, in the elections. Now, boycotting the elections, as we've, realized, as we've seen from the last elections, the ones who boycott are the ones who traditionally vote for left or anti-regime or anti-system uh, parties. So boycotts works, I mean, the right wing, they, they don't want boycott. I mean, so unless there is 80% of boycott, unless there is this 20-25% participation, the boycott works only for the right wing and for the UBP. And I think this time um, there will be many UBP people who will be disillusioned and who will probably do not go to the ballots if there will be elections. And I, I think um, JTP will probably be getting more votes and probably TDP will also pass the threshold this time. But again, what's going to happen, even if it's purely JTP or JTP, TDP, purely left-wing coalition. I mean, what? I mean, unless there is some sort of a solution to the Cyprus problem where the institutions and the, the financial independence of the Turkish Cypriots are guaranteed, I don't see much of a space. I mean, of course, uh, you know, there is space of movement and probably left-wing wouldn't be as vulnerable as uh, right-wing towards Turkey. But still, I mean, um, as long as we use Turkish lira, as long as um, we are uh, vulnerable towards, we, the Turkish Cypriots feel quite vulnerable, and uh, because they are not recognized and they are under isolation, and this is actually one of the reasons why they voted for UBP in the last elections, simply because you know, what's the alternative? There is no peace process. You're right and, and, here, and this is this is um, this is a, a sort of a discussion that keeps coming up in even in Greek Cypriot circles who of people who follow what is happening in the north but don't really understand, you know, the, the nuance of 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 things. And I think it is important to stress that the lack of opposition to everything that is happening and to this reliance on Turkey and everything is also explained and justified by the fact that there is no peace process. And in the absence of a peace process, there is no alternative vision. So people whose, whose lives, whose survival is at stake, they, they kind of tend to move towards that that is kind of more certain, which is you know, this reliance on Turkey rather than on the unknown of actually seeking to construct something and this new vision about peace on the island and the solution. And because, let's be honest, the, the Turkish Cypriot community has gone through massive turmoil and massive demands against their own establishment. And they managed to bring down their own establishment in the past. And I'm referring to the 2003 demonstrations that led to the opening of the crossing points as well. And so 
it is important to put the Cyprus problem and the lack of a solution process in, in this context as well, because it explains to some extent the utter lack of capacity by the opposition, NGDP, DDP in the Turkish Cypriot community to actually claim any more significant role in this process. And uh, today is Sunday. I just came in uh, to record this podcast with you, uh, but I was outside because there was this uh, there was this press statement by the group of youngsters who have been uh, waiting outside the prime minister's office uh, with a t- in, in a tent for more than a month and protesting against the economic and social uh, meltdown of the Turkish Cypriot community who've been very critical. And today they made a, a press statement and they're saying that they're finally taking out their tent. Uh, they're, they're just removing their tent, but they've decided to continue their their you know resistance if if i may um to towards all kind of other interventions that have been going on into their internal affairs by turkey so not many people are realizing and then there is this cliche to say that yeah, the turkish cypriots are just being governed so if if you are critical or if you are cynical you would say that the turkish cypriots are the puppets or if you are like uh, not As cynical, you would say that the Turkish Cypriots are very vulnerable. But many people fail to see that there has been an ongoing, a constant protest and rejection of resistance of the Turkish Cypriots at many different levels against this uh, this meltdown. And the fact that it is not growing in, in thousands, you know, and then as some people maybe fantasize about so that they go and tear down the official uh, buildings, that would never happen because, you know, unless there is some way out, a clear target, that would never happen. People would want to extend their life, extend to, to, to continue their buying their bread for another day and two. And this is how things are, are evolving uh, in the Turkey. And Cypriot let's politics. remember that in 2003, when exactly what you describe, that, that, that alternative was there, which was the uh, accession to the European Union, that was then when the Turkish Cypriots were out in the thousands and they were claiming to be part of this European um, future. And of course, they were let down because, I mean, after the results of the referendum, but the will was there, the resistance was there. And I think that um, history books will have a lot to say about how uh, the Turkish Cypriot community's resistance to Turkey and its will on Cyprus kind of delayed, let's say, or averted the Turkey's complete takeover of the northern part. Another point to to be to to be made here, I think, is is the total and complete and utter failure of Mr. Tatar in a parliamentary system like in Greece, for example. A president is basically a symbolic uh, person. I mean, but because of the Cyprus problem, historically, we, our uh, you know leaders, our presidents in the north, are considered as the leader of the Turkish Cypriot community, and they are the ones who are empowered to to continue the negotiations and discussions in the Cyprus talks, but constitutionally they have limited power but even then this in this within this context mr tatar was a complete failure he couldn't even go to the toilet without asking permission from uh AK party government from erdogan i mean it's one thing to be a, a, a subordinate it's another thing to really to, to 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 even to afraid from your own shadow and even to ask for every single thing and you know many people are also um angry with mr tatar even within ubp 
And there are also many UBP people who are upset with Sujoğlu because he also messed things up. I mean, instead of going and saying, look, uh, this is my minister. I don't care about the, the, the consequences. I want this guy to be removed and I'm expecting you to remove it. Instead of doing this, he was like going and coming and either this and then he put in an envelope his resignation or accept the resignation of the government. As simple as that. And then boom. Uh, Tatar accepted the resignation of the government. I mean, what kind of a childish game is this? Anyway, so what's next? The next is, I think, uh, you know, the electricity prices are high. We are having um, blackouts because of the problems in the power plants. The economy is in, in shambles. And, um, okay, maybe the summer is coming a little bit and then we are expecting some revenue in the Turkish Cypriot community because of the tourism and all that. But um, eventually, I think uh, this crisis will never end until we... Well, that's another thing. Some people say that some people say that it's Turkey is actually trying to make people so upset that they give up the parliamentary system and they turn into a presidential system. And if they turn into a presidential system, we have to remember that North Cyprus is just not just a normal country. It means that the line of communication, line of subordination will even be easier. You have one president with full powers getting direct instructions from Turkey. So unlike Republic of Cyprus, where there is a, a you know a, a president, but this time the problem in the south is that not checked and controlled by a deputy a vice pre, uh, president, as it was put in the constitution, since Turkish Cypriots are not there. Uh, in the north, if you know, they probably want to try to promote the idea of presidential system the way it is being implemented in Turkey, and everybody knows what it means. Yeah, so I and think. And how are things in the south? <laughs> Sorry. No, thank you for this, Kemal. You know, everyone has questions about what happens in the Turkish Cypriot community, and the, there is a lack of understanding in the Greek Cypriot community. And I honestly believe that if we can reach as many people out there, uh, it, it would be useful to have this. Uh, insight into uh, the developments. Well, uh, in the <laughs> Greek Cypriot community, we are uh, in an election period, which is kind of sad, to be honest. And this has to do with the decision by the C leader, Mr. Averov Neofitu, to announce his candidacy uh, so early on. This has put the country in a sort of non-ending uh, election period. And it is not good because uh, you understand that during election period, a lot of promises are made, a lot of money spent and uh, nobody focuses on the real issues, on issues that matter and there are so many issues at the time, energy prices, issue of electricity, the, the, things are changing so fast and yet nobody focuses because all we are interested in is, is you know, elections and who the candidate will be of any party. So Sounds very familiar. <laughs> yeah, that's the mood in which we are in at the moment. Nothing much has changed as to something concrete regarding the elections since last time we discussed issues, but a lot has changed regarding speculation and prospects at the moment. So just to do a, a bit of a quick recap, Kemal. So we've got uh, the C leader, Mr. Averov Neofitu, who has openly announced his candidacy. He was forced to do it early on because he was sort of an, uh, in a, an internal antagonism with the former Minister of Foreign Affairs, Nikos Christodoulidis. And in fact, uh, the announcement of Mr. Neofido about his candidacy came with um, 
resignation of Mr. Christodoulidis from his post as a Minister of Foreign Affairs then. And there was this expectation in the Neofitu camp that that uh, development would kind of remove Mr. Christodoulidis from the spotlight and hence kind of bring down his popularity, which is not the case according to a number of election polls. And uh, this means that uh, Mr. Christodoulidis uh, retains his momentum. Himself, he has not uh, formally announced his candidacy, but it is a common secret that he will stand as a candidate. He's uh, constantly engaged in behind-the-scenes meetings with uh, business leaders, with communities. His, wa- his wife is also part of, of this attempt, but it seems that uh, any formal announcement will uh, come um, in May. At the same time, though, and with the collapse of the possibility for collaboration between Digo and Agel, the two main uh, opposition parties, um, speculation is ripe about uh, the possibility of Digo actually supporting uh, Mr. Christodoulidis, which is kind of funny if you think that everyone is talking about change and then uh, Digo is considering to go with um, a person who was a member of the current government for nine years. There is a very huge wave of support uh, towards Mr. Christodoulidis in the Digo party, uh, which appears divided in the in the face of elections. Um, it seems that the Christodoulidis supporters are making their voice louder at the moment, and this has increased the pressure on Mr. Nicolas Papadopoulos, who ideally would not want to run with Mr. Christodoulidis. And as you understand, Mr. Christodoulidis is a young candidate. Uh, he's a young person. He's a very popular person. It means that if he runs and he succeeds to win the presidency, he, he might as well be a president for 10 years because of his age and prospects. Uh, so this is a scenario that ideally Mr. Papadopoulos would not uh, want because of his own political ambitions. But he's um, receiving a lot of uh, pressure from within uh, the ranks of his, can- of his party to support support uh, uh, Mr. Christodoulidis, and so we are still waiting to see about that. I must say, Kemal, that that would be indeed the most rational option for uh, Rico uh, if... Um, if one would consider the prospect of winning an election, but at the same time, the structure of his party will be under threat, uh, of Mr. Nicolas Papadopoulos' party will be under threat because he, he risks losing control of his own party, in fact. So that we wait to see. And then we have the Akel front. The <laughs> I don't know, Kemal, if you want to mention something on this because this is something that we discussed uh, in intensively i mean yeah, everybody is now expecting what akel will do and uh, you know there has been a speculation and um, yes um, the, the discussion we have heard about mr mavroyanis as a potential akel candidate we have heard also former health minister earlier basically um, about mr bamburidis as being a, a candidate or not i understand that akel has been telling saying that we need to get votes from the center as well in order to be elected. But of course, how are you going to find a candidate and to get votes from the center and at the same time making sure that you support the BBF? You know, Kemal, my... The way I see this is purely political and based on, you know, a sort of political understanding. And, you know, in elections, you have a pool of voters and a pool of options. The real question for Akel is, 
will the candidate that he will put, that Akel will be uh, put forward, will that candidate manage to appeal to a wider pool of voters? Or will it restrict Akel uh, within a, um, a specific range of voters and maybe even a range of voters whose needs are in fact already answered by existing candidates or by candidates that will, uh, at the end of the day, join the race? So, and just to make it clear, uh, as things stand, it appears that Akel is now between uh, former uh, uh, Greek Cypriot negotiator to the Cyprus problem, Mr. Andreas Mavroyannis, who quit his post uh, two weeks ago, and he did it one month before his contract would end. And the speculation says that the reason why he he resigned is because he's being discussed uh, in Akel. And in fact, the fact that uh, Akel discusses the option of Mr. Mavroyannis is, is a well-known fact. At the same time, the second option for Akel is Mr. Achilles Dimitriadis. Uh, we spoke about Mr. Dimitriadis in the past. He's a famous lawyer in Nicosia. He's the son of Mr. Lelos Dimitriadis, the former mayor of Nicosia. Achilles uh, Dimitriadis has announced his candidacy and, and has said that he will proceed until the end regardless of whether he will receive uh, uh, support by any political party or not. Uh, Dimitriadis, in my opinion, Kemal appears as the safest option for uh, Akel because it is a candidacy that potentially has the capacity to bring together and rally around him uh, um, the Akel voters and at the same time uh, maybe appeal to voters that are somehow sort of disappointed at the current political system. They don't want to support a person that uh, was part of political developments in any way, uh, of recent political developments in any way. So there is also that possibility there. But I I would also like to mention that from a strategic point of view and from a purely strategic point of view, and I'm not discussing Mr. Mavroyanis' uh, credentials or his capacity or his abilities, but from a strategic point of view, one wonders what sort of an election campaign Agel would run if it were to run with Andreas Mavroyanis. Uh, how are they expected to uh, lash out against the current government and its own choices on the Cyprus problem? You understand that the scenario of Mr. Mavroyanis running would suit uh, the current government and uh, even uh, Mr. Averov Neofitu. Why? Because uh, the, the range of criticism towards the government will immediately become limited because there will be no major candidate to oppose it. If you have Mr. Averov Neofitu, the, the leader of the governing party, if you have Mr. Nikos Christodoulidis, a member of the government for nine years, and if you also have Mr. Andreas Mavroyanis, who was one of the protagonists of the Grand Montana conference. What is the the biggest, um, let's say, potential weakness of Mr. Dimitriadis in terms of Akel? I think Akel is very scared uh, about uh, Mr. Dimitriadis' option uh, because of his of his work regarding the Immovable Property Commission. He has been very vocal about encouraging Cypriot refugees to appeal to that commission. And it is clear that that will be a point that will be used against him uh, massively during the campaign. However, um, Kemal, I also want to stress here that if we were to look at the race, uh, one would expect that since Mr. Neofido and Mr. Christodoulidis will be running, one needs to present a candidate that will be able to oppose these two politicians in their own field. 
If one chooses a candidate for opposition who comes from the same sort of circles, then this clearly weakens the capacity of that power that wants to claim the opposition votes from uh, working successfully. And these are things that Akel should bear in mind uh, before it makes its choice. So let's be clear here that if the presidential race is not going to be one of uh, three major candidates who will go head to head, then I think that uh, it it might be Akel's candidate will who will be left out of the second round. And uh, that is something for Akel to bear in mind because as I understand, they are clearly concerned about the second round uh, results, but they need to bear in mind that uh, they have a very, very intense race for the first round. No, I always found it quite interesting that uh, Diko is... uh, (laughs) Tico has never been elected as the first party, but his their views are always in 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 power. I mean, th- that's so interesting about Tico that people don't vote for the party, but they vote for the candidate that represents their views. I mean, we had the exp- example of Mr. Tassos Papadopoulos. Akel was so confident that it will be easy to to control Mr. Papadopoulos. And uh, you know what happened after that. So I don't know whether uh, they think that they can do same uh, with another candidate, but uh, we'll see. Just a point here, Kemal, and it is interesting that you mentioned this because Mr. Papadopoulos, the leader of Digo, has been repeating that uh, Digo will be in government in 2023, either as government or as co a coalition partner in the government, um, which goes to show that it is all about power at the end of the day. And I think that these sort of statements do not uh, serve justice to any democratic um, system, to be honest. And uh, in all honesty, I think that had Mr. Papadopoulos not been in so intensely pressured from the more right-wing sectors in his party, he would even be willing to to do a deal with Mr. Averov Neofitu in the second round. Um, but anyway, these are issues that uh, we will have a lot of time to discuss in the future. And just to mention, because we were referring about the, the candidates that have already announced their candidacies, Mr. Mario Siliadis, we also already talked about him. He's a, a, a lawyer and he, he he seems to have failed to rally any support from any mainstream political party, but he says he, he will continue till the end. And at the same time, uh, a latest development was that on the 29th of April, former rector of the University of Cyprus, Mr. Kostandinos Christofidis, who is running, uh, who, who is heading the new wave movement, uh, he, he announced his candidacy for these elections. Uh, and to be honest, again, speaking of a powerful three horse race, all these candidates that are appealing to, uh, draw towards them the, 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 the votes of the opposition will, I believe, impact, uh, the possibility of a strong uh, third candidate who, uh, who could uh, go neck to neck with the others. You know that uh, it seems that both communities are now carried away with um, elections and uh, possible elections and coalitions and all that. And uh, we have also heard uh, talk of a so-called confidence-building measure, supposedly Varosha in return for the ports and airports. 
But I think the real confidence building uh, measure that we really need at the moment is uh, are the ones that will touch us directly to the lives of the people. Currently, we still don't have another crossing point for Nicosia or any new crossing points in Cyprus. And then there are long queues and people have been waiting on uh, in, in those queues in, in their cars and destroying the environment and then, you know, being tortured for <laughs> it just to be it just to be able to travel from one part of the city to another. And this is why with our other head, we have started a series of visits to the EU embassies, because uh, why EU embassies? Because this is about the Greenland regulation, because, uh, you know, Greenland regulation is the one that regulates crossings of the people and the good. And since our local leaders are not really paying a lot of attention to this, I thought that it is important to continue um, bringing awareness also at the European Union level as the citizens, as the people who are being tortured with this process. And then we also need similar confidence building measures. We need people to be able to travel freely. We need, uh, you know, maybe new openings, maybe new uh, arrangements. There might be some sort of a better electric or telecommunication uh, opening. I mean, things that will be touches to touch the, the lives of the people. Yeah, I agree, Kemal, and we keep insisting on this point, but uh, it seems that we need to make our voice heard because the daily lives of so many people are being impacted by the current situation uh, because authorities on both uh, sides do not seem... What do you think about our visits? How, how do you think... I think it's the, always refreshing. The, the, the missions in Cyprus take it. I think it is always refreshing uh, uh, speaking to people who have a more of an international outlook and they are kind of with drawn from this uh, small uh, Cypriot perspective, to be honest. And I always... I appreciate discussions with people who have a different insight or perspective to offer. Uh, And of course, sometimes, and we often discuss these things can be bittersweet because some of the things that are being discussed sound so rational, but yet it is so difficult to communicate them with political leaders on the ground. And it's just, it becomes frustrating at times. I mean, I, I also found it uh, quite uh, interesting, the discussion we had at the European Commission representation in Cyprus uh, with uh, Ms. Sambarta. I think the way she's been regarding and understanding the issues have been also quite refreshing. It was also good to to, to see that um, there are circles and, and people who would really make the right, right judgment about the situation. But I think it's important up to the, it's very important for people to continue to push. It's up to the people to push for the things that will make their lives easier and then to help rapprochement in Cyprus. And just before we conclude, uh, Kemal, and speaking of rapprochement, I think it is important to mention that uh, on the 28th of April, um, the status by communal awards for business cooperation for 2022 were handed out uh, to 10 by communal teams of 10 Greek Cypriots and the 10 Turkish Cypriot business people. Each uh, business person got a cash prize of 10,000 and the awards are meant to encourage collaboration and financial collaboration between 
between uh, the sites and people of the island as a uh, as as a profound confidence building measures and as uh, and and in fact this uh, move by Mr. Hajiwanu uh, it kind of goes along with everything that the United Nations Secretary General keeps repeating in his um, in his unfeasible reports about the need for uh, closer cooperation on trade and on uh, economic cooperation between people on the island. And I would just like to mention that there was this, uh, one of the candidates who won the award, it's called uh, Andreas Andreu with Emreser Dar. Um, they are aluminium producers. And uh, Mr. Andreu, he posted a very nice um, thread on Twitter explaining his understanding behind the award. And it is, um, it is always very nice to see people communicate the importance of economic cooperation on the island and putting this in the perspective of a comprehensive solution to the Cyprus problem because it is not uh you know a one way street this 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 is part of a greater vision and it was impressive to see it communicated in such clarity by Mr Andreu uh, and yes so congratulations to Mr Hajiwanu because he's indeed doing something important Kemal and it is uh, very few are the remaining actors today that are pushing for cooperation and uh, we should praise it. And I think Nikosia Ankat is one. <laughs> Always, <laughs> On this note, we say goodbye. <laughs> Always finish. <laughs> <laughs> See. Always down to earth, Kemal. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you, Kemal. Talk to you later. Thank you, Andromahi. Cheers. The first trilingual podcast station of Cyprus, Island Talks, open, diverse, free.